Well, as you know, we've been in the book of 1 Corinthians for a while now, working our way straight through the book, which means God gets to pick what comes up each week. Last week, we dealt with, uh, and we're in a, a portion of uh, the, the, the book that deals with relationships, a variety of different kinds of relationships. So last week, we talked about intimacy in marriage. This week, the Bible turns its attention toward the topic of singleness. So maybe last week, you were here and you were like, what does this have to do with me? You know, I could have slept in today and... Well, not so. This week, singleness is on the agenda. Maybe this week you're married and you're like, oh, great. Why do I need to be here today? But hey, let me just say this leading into this, uh, this topic. Every week, it's important to come with an open heart. Do you believe God can speak to you through any verse in the Bible? Do you believe that he might be getting you ready somehow to, to be used this week? Do you think he might want to encourage you this week? Do you think he might want to instruct you about something? I was amazed at how here I am preparing a, a message on singleness this week, and the Lord went to work in my heart, and, and there were profound moments that I had in my own study this week. Unexpectedly profound moments, as I, a married man, am getting a sermon ready to speak on singleness. So I trust your heart would be open to it this morning as well. You'd be inviting the Lord to go to work. Okay, let me just lead in with this. Here's the top five things to never say to a single person. Are you ready? Get your pen out. All the single people, you're like, yeah, married people, write this down. Okay, here it is. Number one, never say this. There are plenty of fish in the sea. Never say that. Number two, you're just too picky. Your problem is that you're just too picky. Just pick one already. Never say that. Now, single folks, you can amen these, all right? Uh, Number three. It will happen when you least expect it. (laughs) Enough said. Uh, Number four, have you heard of (laughs) eHarmony? It's this web page I saw on television. And number five, never say this to a single person. Enjoy living the single life while it lasts. (laughs) Never say it. Anybody who says that to you, report them to the elders, and we'll have a special private sit-down with them, all right? Uh, You'd be amazed. Last week, I talked about intimacy in marriage, and let's just say it was uncomfortable for me to be up here. Um, I think, honestly, talking about this is more uncomfortable for me than last week because I want to be so sensitive, and and what I want to say, I want to say it in a way that's such a blessing. So I am really trying to go out of my way to put myself in the shoes of those who are listening. And, And listen... There are people in this room who are single for a variety of reasons, who have been single for a variety of periods of time. Um, and uh, I, have, I have names in my mind of people in this room who I hope to talk to, and I hope the Lord speaks to you. Um, and so uh, that's my heart this morning, and I trust the Lord is going to use this. But let's pray, and then we'll get into the, the Bible together. <clears throat> Father, I just so thank you that your word is so practical Uh, And, um, Lord, I thank you that though those who are in a season of singleness may feel like they are in the peripheral view of the world, uh, overlooked, um, Lord, they are on your heart and they are in uh, in your view this morning. Um, Thank you, Lord, that you have so much to say to us in every season of life. And my prayer is that your spirit would be at work in hearts in this room. Uh, Lord, my prayer is that your word would... Go forth from me freely, doing everything you've promised it will. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, well, we're in uh, chapter 7, and uh, we're going to be at verse 7, 7, 7. And we're just picking up the thought right where we left it off last week. Uh, and uh, so chapter 7, verse 7, Paul goes on to say this. He says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Jot this down, first point. Marriage and singleness are both gifts from God. Go ahead and write that down in your bulletin. Marriage and singleness are both gifts from God. Um, And singleness, by the way, is a universal human experience. I read a fascinating statistic this week. One out of every one humans will be single in their lifetime. We all share it in common. And... And there are different types of people who are in a season of singleness right now. Um, There are those, and Paul addresses all of them right here. He says, to the unmarried, that just basically means not married. Unmarried, not married. Maybe you were married, now you're not. Maybe you've never been married, just unmarried. And then he zeroes in, he has a special heart for, he says, to the unmarried and the widows. Um, Now this this is a group where you see your singleness very differently than those who've never been married. Um, or perhaps even went through a divorce, you've lost the one that you love. And, and my heart just immediately resonates with Paul that he would want to address this group as well. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. There's different types of single folks in the room. Um, and and there's different opinions on singleness. And so those who are single, some of you are single and fine with it. You wish everyone else around you would be fine with it because you're fine with it. Others, you're single and you're frustrated. It's like you wish that God would be a little more frustrated on your behalf and get the ball rolling here, right? So there's different kinds of singles. There's different views on singleness. And, and some people who are married, they have different views on your singleness too. Uh, some of them, they just... They see it as their job to cure your singleness and find the right one for you. Oh, they're going to fix you. And uh, they're doing their best, but they're causing damage in the relationship, in the process. Um, And others seem like they want to become your life coach, talking you into how life is just great the way it is. So just... And then along comes Paul. And it's interesting what he says in verse 7. I wish that all were as I myself am. Clearly a champion of the single life. We don't know how Paul got to be single. Um, had he never married? It's actually pretty, pretty likely that he was married. Because to be a rabbi, which he was, to be on the Sanhedrin, which he probably was, you had to be married. So uh, it's, it's most likely that he was married. Did he, did he lose his spouse? When he came to Christ, did she leave? We don't know. We just don't even know. All we know is that he is currently single. And he's championing this lifestyle for everyone who will listen to him. He said, it's, I wish that everyone were single as I am. It's hypothetical, like, oh, let it be. He goes on to give his reasons later, but he is, he is not at all resenting his singleness. In fact, he's valuing it very highly. But he points out each one has his own gift from God. He calls it a gift. Two gifts possible. You have one or the other. Some have been given the gift of singleness by God Most High. It's a gift. You didn't choose it. He gave it to you. Others have been given the gift to go on and and to be married and to find 
greater fulfillment there. It's a gift. You didn't choose it. He imparted it to you. That's the way gifts work. Um, Lauren's birthday, my wife's birthday is today. Today. She's, she's in children's ministry right now serving, okay? And I got her a gift. And I'm going to give it to her uh, after lunch. Do you want me to tell you what it is? Okay, but do you promise not to tell her? Because she's here still. She was in the first service, so I couldn't let it slip there. All those folks have to wait to hear about it. But, all right, so what happened was in January, we went to Orlando for a senior pastor conference down at Harvest Orlando, and, and we had half a day to ourselves, so we went to Epcot. Well, she, she was like, we've got to bring the kids back. We've got to bring the kids. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about it. We're going to budget. and we're gonna. She comes home and announces to the home, the, the kids, we're going to Disney at some point soon. And I was like, oh, okay, she said it. She said it. So I've been kind of waffling, you know, like I, I'm noncommittal. I'm like, well, yeah, we should really get together and talk finances sometime. And I keep putting it off, right? Okay, so I finally made up my mind. Fine, we're going to go. So what I did was I went to, at the Disney store, you could buy park pass. So I bought a six-day park pass for her for her birthday as my way of finally saying, we are going. But do not tell her. Do you promise? Raise your hand. Do you promise? All right. Now, I want you to just have that in mind because as, as Lauren over lunch... As I give that to her and she opens it up and sees it and her eyes light up, maybe I'll have my iPhone like taking video secretly so that I could post it all. Um, it's a gift. It's the way a gift works. Now listen, either God gave you the gift of singleness or he gave you the gift where you're to go on and to be married. Now, some have the gift of singleness, but it's, it's, a, it's a very small population, okay? It's, it's one of the rarer gifts that the Lord gives. Um, and some who have the gift, they go on and get married. It's like, well, I could have stayed single, but I, you know, I went back and forth, and I decided that I want to get married. Okay, it's not like you, like, blew the gift, and your life is ruined, all right? Um, but, but Paul sees it as some have been given the gift where they could live a life of single devotion to the Lord without going on to get married, and they would be fine with that. And listen, Jesus and Paul both said, if you find yourself to have that gift, it's better if you don't marry. It's better for you to embrace it. It's not a sin if you go on to get married, but Jesus said for those who can accept this, you should accept it. And maybe it's, maybe it's not just, you know, maybe earlier in life you went on and got married and now you find yourself in a season of singleness and maybe now you're kind of awakening to the, well, you know what? I don't, need, I don't know that I need to do that again, Okay. So it could, you could be awakened to that gift at some point later in your life. But the point is, both are gifts from the Lord. Does that make sense? Both are gifts from the Lord. Now here's where the tension comes in, because there's two basic kinds of single folks then. There's those who are gifted to remain single. The ideal is that you would. Then there are those who are gifted to get married, but here you are in the season of singleness, hence the tension in your heart. The Word of God addresses both those who are single and fine with it, and those who are single and frustrated with it. And it's not wrong to desire to get married. It's not wrong. I'm not saying that you've got to put that out like a fire. You know, you're single, just deal with it. Stop wanting it. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, it's, it's a very good desire to have that, that you would like to get married at some point. Um, so let me talk to you. You're single, you're frustrated about it. Let me talk to you. You're here. I know you're here. It's more frustrating to be single today than it was to be single 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. And there's a reason why. 
Um, Maybe a few statistics will help to ease your frustration. First, for those of you who are single and frustrated about it, it's currently projected that 88% of women, 82% of men will eventually marry. And that's just dropped a little from 90%. It's been 90% for a long time. Most do go on to get married, which is why the gift of singleness is a smaller portion of people. But in our day, get this, just 20% of adults aged 18 to 29 are married. Now compare that to 1960 when 59% of adults aged 18 uh, to 29 were married. What does that tell you? Well, it tells you that it's a societal thing. In our whole country, people are waiting longer to get married, okay? Which means the season of singleness is lasting longer, which means the frustration, if you're not wanting to be single, is lasting longer. The median age for when people first get married in the U.S. has never been higher. It's 26 for brides. It's 28 for grooms. Um, So... People are waiting longer to get married for the first time. And, and if it's been a while, if you've been single longer than you've been wanting to stay single, there's just a movement. It's just the way that our um, country is working right now. And not only in ours, but even, even in other countries overseas. It's just a newer, unique thing. People are waiting longer to get married. Adding to the, the delay is the unbalanced pool. For every 100 unmarried women, there are 88 unmarried men. Uh, So what does this tell you? This is just where the frustration is kind of coming from. Singleness is lasting longer. Marriages are lasting shorter, making seasons of singleness more and more common. And for many, they're frustrating and unwanted. Marriage and singleness are both gifts. But depending on the gift that you have, singleness feels very differently. Okay, moving on now. So what does the Bible say to those who are single? Um, Well, check out verse 25. We're going to skip ahead here to verse 25. Uh, Paul continues to address this topic of singleness, but he adds a third kind of people group in the mix here. There's the unmarried, then there's the widows, and then in verse 25 he says, now concerning the betrothed. Betrothed, um, it's a little different than engagement, but it it basically means either engaged to be married or pledged to be married, okay? Uh, I read a new term online as I was researching for this sermon. It's kind of cool. You know, you've heard newlyweds, okay? Well, there's a new group of people in our country called nearlyweds, nearlyweds. Either you've been engaged forever, or you're living together, or it's just been serious. Nearlyweds. So he's kind of talking to the nearlyweds here. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord. What does he mean there? He means that the Lord Jesus has not given a hard and fast rule to be followed. He's, he's saying there's no right, one right decision you can make when it comes to your singleness, moving forward from that. I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Verse 26, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Now, this is going to be a governing thought throughout this whole chapter. When in doubt, remain as you are. Don't make a hasty decision. So jot this down. Here's the note. Make no rash decisions. Make no rash decisions. Problem is, the, the nearlyweds here and the unmarried and the widows, they didn't know what to do because there were a lot of people who were like, oh, you shouldn't get married. Pleasure is bad and that kind of companionship is sinful. So just stay single. And then there were other people who were like, oh, it's great. Go after it. And here they are like, which way, which way do I go? He's like, all right, make no rash decisions. Don't jump from one station of life to the next just to change. Verse 27, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. Okay, now, 
Again, not a command. Some of, some of the singles are like, oh, great. The Bible just told me if I don't have a wife, I can't seek a wife. There goes that. No, this is not a command. This is a general rule of thumb. Verse 28. Well, we'll get to verse 28. Make no rash decisions. Um, I read, this is great. Have you heard about this lady? She was single and she was frustrated. And so she made a rash decision. The headline reads, in defiance of tradition, Taiwan woman marries herself. Did you hear about this? It was just two years ago. Uninspired by the men she's met, but facing social pressure to get married, the 30-year-old office worker will hold her wedding reception next month in honor of her. She bought a dress, hired a photographer, enlisted a wedding planner, and rented a banquet hall for her marriage celebration with 30 friends. She will then head off to her honeymoon, just her. She spent five grand on the wedding to herself. Hey, now that's the best of both worlds. I'm married, and I'm single. (laughs) I mean... And that would be what not to do. That would be a rash decision, right? Um, That's a humorous rash decision. But here's the reality is if you're single and if you are frustrated by it, there's going to be pressure either on your own. You generate the pressure. Other people generate the pressure to make a rash decision. Um, and, And the Bible says make no rash decisions. Some people um, will go on to marry Some will stay single, but make no rash decisions. Now, Paul is obviously a champion of one over the other. He's giving the wisdom found in both, but he's like, if you're even even a little bit like, can go either way, come my way. Like, come my way. If If you can accept this life, embrace it. One of the other reasons he says here is because of the distress, because of the present distress, he says. Now, we're not sure what that means. It could have been a local pressure. Um, it could have been within the church, like because of the distress, because of all the pressure. Just don't make any rash decisions. I don't care what she's saying to you. It could have been more of a regional thing. Maybe it's outside of the church. Maybe because of the pressure put on believers, persecution, um, you know, life's already going to be hard. So, but his point is, because of the distress, don't make a rash decision. Now, he unpacks this with three sub-points, and I'll give those to you here. Here's the first sub-point. Make no rash decisions first because marriage will multiply your problems. Look at verse 28. Verse 28, it says, But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. Worldly troubles means tribulation tribulation. Now, I can preach a whole sermon on how getting married will multiply the blessings in your life, and that's true. But here the Bible is trying to simply point out, and it's, it's not meant to insult single folk, all right? You can get all offended right now, like, oh, what? You're saying I don't have problems? You're saying I can't have problems? I get married and then I get problems? What do you mean? I've got lots of problems. Fine. I'm not trying to insult you. This could even insult married folk. You're like, what? Is marriage just a burden? Pastor Ryan, the old ball and chain around your leg, is that what you're saying? No. Everyone say, he didn't say that. You could ruin my wife's birthday if you bring her a bad report from this message. All right? All the Bible is saying is, when two sinners say I do, they inherit each other's problems for life. 
Okay, then when they begin to manufacture sinners, problems increase even more. (laughs) Then you throw an unregenerate puppy into the mix and you've got a zoo on your hands. It's basic math. If I were single and I were to go to the dentist, I would have 28 teeth bringing me tribulation. But I counted them. Now I've got 116 teeth in my house that go to the dentist and bring me tribulation. It's just basic math. If you get married, you will add and multiply problems. It's just a fact. Don't be insulted, okay? Marriage will multiply your problems. And marrying Mr. Wrong will greatly multiply your problems. All right, now hear me out. There is, once you're married, there's no such thing as being married to the wrong one. God can bless any, any relationship, making you one. Even if you're married to a non-believer, the Bible says, stay married because there's a blessing coming on your children and even your husband, okay? There's no such thing as I married the wrong one. But when you're single, there is such thing as pursuing an unwise choice, okay? Marriage will multiply your problems already, but if you chase after the wrong one out of haste, then, then add an exponent to the problems that you're inviting into your life. Someone once said, success in finding a mate is not only marrying the one who makes you happy, but also escaping the many who could make you miserable. And as the song goes, wise men say only... I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. But it's true. Marriage will multiply your problems, so don't make any rash decisions. Here's the next sub-point. Because marriage will multiply your problems. And second, because this world has an expiration date. Look at verse 29. This world has an expiration date. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Underline that in your Bible, verse 31. The present form of this world is passing away. Hey, listen, this world has an expiration date. There is a date circled on God's calendar in heaven in red. Only he knows the day, but we're one day closer closer to it today than we were yesterday. And there is a day coming where this world will be rolled up like a scroll. It will be consumed with fire. And then God will make a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. Amen to that. This world has an expiration date. And who would want to live in this world forever? This world is far from heaven. It's broken in every way. And so here, Paul is saying, because this world has an expiration date, and he's drawing on that reality, on that theology, to say, Watch how you make your choices in this world. All right? Now, I have to, I have to address a few interpretive issues with this text. Did, you, did your eyebrows go up at a few of the things that Paul just wrote, like mine? He says here in verse 29, he says, point in time has grown very short. Now let those who have wives live as though they had none. Okay. Now, some of you underlined that verse in your Bible instead of the last verse. Big mistake! All right? It's not that we're supposed to take these verses literally. In fact, if you took them literally, 
The Bible basically just told you to act like you don't have a wife. Tell a crying widow to stop her crying. Tell the guy who just got a job to chime down with his happiness. Tell a mom who just got home from Dominic's to leave her groceries in the car. Tell a salesman to ignore all of his clients. Okay, every one of those would be like sin. So it's not meant to be taken literally. It's called hyperbole. It's overstatement for effect. Okay, you get that? Why did he overstate it? Well, there's a few possible reasons. Some would say that Paul is trying to say here, this world is not important at all. So act like it doesn't matter. Okay, but I think that's bad theology. Really? My marriage, our mission as a church, it's just not important at all. So act like it doesn't matter at all. No, I don't think that's what he means. Some, Some other people would say, well, no, he's meaning this world is less important than you think. So act like this world is less important than the next world. All right, but still, I mean, you're going to be a lousy husband if you, if you think, well, my marriage is kind of important, but it's not nearly as important as where I'm going. So I'll cut my commitment to it in half based on this theology. That's not what he means either. I think the best way to interpret this is this. Because this world is evaporating before your very eyes, act like it's temporary. It's not that it's less important, it's that it's less permanent than you think. The fact that it's temporary actually makes it far more important, the choices that you make today. Do you get that? You see how he's trying to show that because the world has an expiration date, your choice over whether to remain single or to marry is far more important than you realize, which is why you're not supposed to make a hasty decision. The New Testament teaches that we are in... The last days. The last days, the end times began when Christ rose from the dead. Don't listen to the guy on the radio who's got the end times prophecy all figured out. He can show you how if you look at Russia's political structure, it's found in Ezekiel. All right, listen, we've been in the last days since Christ rose from the grave, okay? Uh, God's next phase of salvation can begin at any moment. There's not a whole lot more that God has planned for this earth. So therefore, because the time is short, because it's all being wrapped up right now, is literally what it sounds like in the Greek, we're supposed to make our choices in light of the reality that this world is temporary. Don't look for your paradise here. This world ain't going to be the magic kingdom. And if your hopes are all wrapped up, not only in here, but in the life that you're planning in your mind, if, if that's where your hopes for heaven lie, you're going to be disillusioned. Because marriage will multiply your problems, because this world has an expiration date. And the next sub-point is this, because marriage will divide your interests. Because marriage will divide your interests. Check out verse 32. It says in verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things. How to please his wife. And his interests are divided. They are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Okay, so he wants, his goal is that you would be free from anxieties. Not all anxieties. It's not like if you remain single, you won't have problems. We already covered this. He wants you to be free from the additional anxieties that come with the married life. And I'm not saying that if you're married, it's possible that your interests will be divided. It's a fact. They are. It's a reality. It's an unavoidable reality. 
Um, what he means is this. Once you get married, especially if you begin to have children, there's always things, people, priorities, problems, cutting in line in front of the Lord Jesus. Okay? And he is constantly falling further and further back on your list of pressing demands. And you will find yourself throughout the rest of your life, you've got to welcome him back up to the front. You, you get out of here. Jesus, you're first. You get back up in line. And then things constantly keep cutting in line and taking his first place in your life. Now, it can happen if you're single too. Things can get in the way. Far less likely. And it's a lot easier to keep Jesus as the first priority in your life when you're unmarried. Okay, it's just a fact. You're going to constantly find yourself having to usher the Lord back to the front of the line once you get married. It's just a fact. You can work for Christ in a totally different way with a totally different level of dedication and commitment if you remain single. It's just a fact. Um, And Paul is trying to champion this for those who are undecided because marriage will multiply your problems, because this world has an expiration date, because... Marriage will divide your interests. Then he moves on in verse 35. Verse 35, he says, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. I like that. Your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, if it has to be... Let him do as he wishes, but let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. Okay, so jot this down. Here's the most important thing as you're making up your mind. Okay, here's the most important thing. Choose what best honors the Lord. Choose what best honors the Lord. Based on your giftedness, Based on your station in life, the most important thing is how can I bring the most glory to my Lord here? Paul is even careful that he doesn't want to be the one who tips the scale. He's very humble. As an apostle, he says here, I'm not laying any restraint on you. Do you know in the Greek that means I'm not throwing a noose around your neck? That's powerful, isn't it? I'm not going to be the one who throws a noose around your neck and starts pulling you in one direction or the other. It's almost, he's saying that because there are people in Corinth who are trying to champion their own position and they're throwing these nearlyweds into turmoil, okay? And he's like, I'm not even going to be the one to rope you into one or the other. I'm just giving you the options here. The most important thing is that you choose what best honors the Lord. And by the way, it was different outcomes for different people. Some were single here and they should not be single anymore. It says in verse 36, if anyone thinks that he's not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be. So it's like it's happening. Like you're not behaving properly. Your passions are strong. Why are you single? Why are you not married yet? He's calling them out. He's like your undivided devotion to the Lord means you need to get married already, right? You're not living right. And this would include those in this day and age who are living together or you're enjoying all the perks of married life before getting married. In every way, you're uniting yourself to each other. Get married already, he says. You're not honoring the Lord. You shouldn't be single anymore. Choose what best honors the Lord. Some were single, and it would be best if they remained that way. Some were confused, and they were being pressured in one direction or the other. The goal is that we pursue an undivided devotion 
to the Lord Jesus here and now. This is profound, okay? He wants us to be pursuing undivided devotion to the Lord Jesus here and now. And my heart just goes out to those who are single and frustrated by it because maybe you're thinking, well, getting married will fill a giant void in my heart. Maybe you're thinking staying single will create a giant void in my heart. Hey, listen, Christ is the only one who will fill the giant void in your heart. Christ fills the void here and now, whatever now looks like in your life. If you don't pursue that, you're going to enter into married life or you're going to remain in single life with a huge deficit that Christ does not intend for you to endure. You would be surprised at how many people who are married and they expected their spouse to fill the void and now they are so disenchanted because it's unfair to expect your spouse to fill Christ's place in your heart. Your spouse can never do that. Is there companionship that comes? Are there, far, are there so many blessings that come? There? Absolutely. But if, if, if those who are married and those who are single don't understand that only Christ fills the void in my heart, doesn't matter what here and now looks like. You're going to be disenchanted. So our goal is that we pursue undivided devotion to the Lord here and now. Fill your life with love for Christ and let Christ's love fill your life. I'll say that again. Fill your life with love for Christ and let Christ's love fill your life. Then you bring a full person abounding with joy to any relationship that you enter into. Or, if there's not that relationship yet, you're experiencing all the fullness of Christ here and now so that there is no significant delay. Sure, it may come. Sure, Christ may bring that person along. But you're not missing out on anything God has for you yet, right now. You're living the life He has planned for you. Only Christ can fill the void. So, choose what best honors the Lord and then here's, this is a great ending point that Paul makes. Write this down. The Bible says, have no regrets. Have no regrets. Verse 38 says, So then he who marries his betrothed does well, yet he who refrains from marriage will do even better. Have no regrets. The conclusion is you can't make a bad decision. Based on your giftedness, there's a good decision and a great decision. You can't make a wrong decision, so whatever you choose, have no regrets. If you are content and gifted to live the single life devoted to the Lord, don't feel pressured to marry. Don't feel like you're missing out. In fact, understand that in many ways the Bible says that you are better off. But if everything within you is crying out for companionship, and if it's beyond your ability to get rid of the desire, then hey, you have the gift of another kind. And trust the Lord to find you that person. I spoke to the high schoolers last week about love, dating, intimacy, um, and as it promised, it was unforgettable. But one of the things that I said to them was, I said, I'm asking you for more than waiting until you're married, okay? As if you can get your whole love life all together on your own and you're just keeping this one thing to make God happy. I said this, I said, you give God the pen, And you say, God, you write my love story start to finish. 
And I said, if God writes your love story, I guarantee it will be epic. But if you write your love story in your way, it will be tragic. And the minute we grab that pen and begin to try and force our own story onto the paper, but if we surrender the entirety of it to the Lord, and I'm not saying be passive. I'm not saying just sit back and wait. You can go after this if the Lord has planted this desire in your heart. But the whole time, Lord, this pen is yours. You are writing this romance novel, and I want it to be nothing less than epic. Give that to him, and he'll begin writing an amazing story. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that your word is so practical. And I just trust, Lord, that those in this room who are in a season of singleness will be blessed by what your word has to say. Lord, my heart goes out to those who are frustrated with where they're at. Um, Especially those, Lord, who maybe have lost a loved one or find themselves trying to piece their lives back together after a a divorce. Um, Lord, those in particular, they can be so rattled and their worlds can be so rocked. And the season of singleness could be so unwanted. Um, Lord, my prayer is that they would seek to be filled with your love here and now as you put them back together. Fill the void in their heart completely as over time your will for their future becomes clear. Lord, my heart goes out to those who have never been married, maybe in college, maybe after college, and and they're frustrated with it. And, and Lord, some in their lives have tried to help, and it hasn't helped. Uh, and, and Lord, I just pray that you would awaken them to the gifting you've given them. I trust that there will be some in this room who are gifted to live the single life. And maybe you are courting them to that even right now. Uh, Lord, I just pray that they would embrace it with all their hearts. Uh, Lord, but for most, it, it's just frustrating. They're wondering how long the season will last. They're wondering, Lord, they're wondering if they can trust you. That's what they're wondering. And may they make no rash decisions. My prayer is that they would not feel somehow that there's something wrong with them, that, Lord, there's any other reason that you're delaying it. I, I just pray that they would give you the pen, trust you to write their love story start to finish, surrender the whole of it to you, as they receive wise counsel from those around them along the way, I pray that you would not disappoint. Such a crisis of faith, Lord, but I pray that as your word has spoken today, my prayer is that there would be no regrets, that they would choose in line with your word, honor you in every way, and experience lasting joy and fulfillment now, regardless of the future. This is our prayer, Lord. We lift this up to you and surrender it all to you. We pray this in Jesus' name.